Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Drive for Show DFS for Doe. As you can see, I am not STL Cardinals, our usual uh, main host, but uh, he is on a family road trip. I believe they're uh, you know driving to a bunch of different ballparks across the country, so a lot of fun. Hope he is doing well. And uh, his Cardinals, uh, not doing too well. But uh, other than that, uh, we're doing good. We have a fun event on tap uh, this week. And uh, let me bring in my co-host, uh, Han Dizzle. Jacob Horton, how are you doing? Um, you know more about golf than I think I ever will. So uh, love that. And uh, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. So uh, teach golf for a living. Today was the first day of summer. Had uh, summer camp from 8 to noon and then again from 1 to 5. So seen a lot of bad golf swings today. I'm ready to talk about some good golfers. Yeah, my golf swing uh, could definitely use some work. Uh, if you ever have any free time, uh, I'll send over some videos. But, Let's uh, do it. Yeah, it should, be a, it should be a fun week. Um, if you are watching live, uh, don't mind uh, hitting that thumbs up button. It helps us out a lot. And uh, yeah, if you're in the chat, you know, uh, we love an active chat. So 
Um, put any questions in there, any thoughts on the course, any thoughts on uh, last week or this week. And uh, before we get into the memorial, we might as well go ahead and talk about uh, last week. How did it go for you and uh, what did you think of the tournament? So I'm from the area. I grew up like less than five minutes from Colonial. Love the course. Um, didn't have the greatest of weeks, but, you know, I kind of built with a sort of a gambling mindset last week, took some risk. But, um, you know what, it, it was a good week. It was a great golf golf tournament to watch. I was, for the uh, members of Colonial, I was glad that that uh, Harry Hall didn't win. Um, I think that that okay. would be like, you know, they've already had their fair share of spare winners of that event. Okay. You know, so I was, I was kind of happy. I mean, Grillo seems like a, a genuine guy and glad to see him get it done down the stretch. I mean, it's, it's nice to see a, a short golf course by today's standards kind of can still hold its own. I mean, the scores kind of like after round two, just sort of plateaued and went backwards. Right. So, and of course they were really aggressive. I don't know if you caught on coverage that, you know, as of today, they're starting to bulldoze it and redo it. So they were going to let everything burn out and play firm and fast. So, you know, there was a time and, 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 you know, when that golf course was one of the hardest ones that they would play year in and year out, but obviously, how far the golf ball flies makes it a little bit easier. So I like that part of the tournament. Yeah, Colonial absolutely had some teeth. Uh, the greens were just uh, extremely firm, like you mentioned, and let them bake out there on the weekend. And uh, if you were under par um, on Saturday or Sunday, you probably ended up moving up the leaderboard quite a bit. And uh, you mentioned Harry Hall. I thought uh, you were going to say because he had a Vegas Knights jersey on, um, and uh, they're obviously playing Dallas right now. So I thought maybe that's why you didn't want him to win. I didn't even um, notice that, but he did go to UNLV, so that makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I just I did, the whole Monty golf swing and the, you know, it's enough to wear the Hogan hat, but then the little beard. I don't know. I just <laughs> tired of watching him. Yeah, he uh, he struggled a bit on Sunday and uh, on in late Saturday as well. And it's kind of interesting because nobody really went out there and took it on Sunday. I kind of thought, you know, Scheffler had a chance if he would have posted a little bit better score. I think he made a bogey down the stretch and – once again, I mean, Scheffler was just amazing tee to green. I think he lost four and a half strokes putting and still finished, uh, you know, a shot out of the playoffs. So his incredible run continues. And uh, were you watching the coverage live? And did you see uh, Emiliano Grillo's drive on 18? I was not. I was unfortunately working. Uh, I saw the replay, though. But pretty crazy. I mean, <laughs> like no way that Scotty thought he was going to finish one shot out of the lead when he finished, right? Had that He probably thought that bogey that he made coming down the stretch was, like, meaningless, but. Pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, you know, if you didn't see it, Grillo, you know, hit away right on 18. Ended up going into a little creek, and uh, that creek took it for a ride uh, for quite some time until it finally came to a stop. And then uh, was there a reason why he ended up dropping on the car path? Could he have not have dropped on the grass somewhere behind the car path? Um, I didn't see it, so I would just assume that if he's dropping on a car path, that must be the visual line he wanted to take, right? Because okay. for those guys hitting it, whatever distance he was off the cart path, they're going to be able to make pretty clean contact. So it must have been to take the relief, maybe on the anywhere where there was grass, he might have been walked out. Okay. There's yeah, pretty makes, big trees up that right side. That probably makes sense. Everybody was kind of confused by it, and then he hit it like 40 yards short of the green and uh, couldn't get up and down from there, but uh, ended up winning in the playoff. Did you see uh, while he was warming up for the playoff, did you see him bring those two little kids out? Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. He let them take some swings with his clubs and uh, gave them some hugs. Um, that's, a, that's one way to, to deal with pressure is just take your mind off it, I guess. I thought that was a really endearing moment, and uh, I'm a bigger Griot fan for it. Yeah, you know, to see a guy like when he, he first came out, right, he was sort of a DFS darling, right? 
ball striker, you know, we all, we all love the hot new, new oh, yeah. player that hasn't burned us yet. And he went a long time without winning again. So it was nice to see, you know, somebody that's, you know, he could have taken the money from the live and gone that route, but he stuck with the tour and glad to see him rewarded. Yep. Congrats to uh, Ben Raza and Ryan Baroff, two of the bigger griot truthers out there. They both had uh, outrights on him this week. So uh, I was unable to uh, extend my my streak of outright hitters or winners. Um, too much Jordan speed for me. Ended up missing the cut. But uh, any other takeaways from Colonial before we get into this week's event? So I just, if you start thinking about PGA till now, right, the Colonial in the field was stronger than normal. We've got an elevated event this week, um, the Canadian Open, and then the U.S. Open. So for for a lot of these guys, this will be um, a week that they play, and then they take off before for the U.S. Open. So there's some guys that have played four or five, six weeks in a row, potentially. So I think that, you know, there could you could see some fatigue. But guys seem like they're playing more this year to me. Like we have the bigger names, even like a guy like uh, Terrell Hatton, right? Like. Yeah. playing more than, you know, a handful of events, you know. So I think that you just sort of have to monitor that moving forward about, I think maybe even, you know, like a guy like Jordan Spieth, like, is he healthy? Like, we both thought, hey, you know, he's going to play. Why would he risk it, right? He had more ties to the Nelson than does the Colonial, so. Yeah, yeah that one uh, that one burned for sure. Um, he wasn't even close. Uh, he didn't have a very good week, and this has kind of been one of his uh, better courses on tour throughout his career, so. Uh, we'll see if he ends up playing. Is he? Yeah, he's in the field this week, and then we'll see if he ends up playing next week. There are a few big names that end up uh, taking off this week. Um, they probably want to just play the week before the major. Um, a lot of guys end up having that type of routine where they want to play um, the week before the major, regardless of the course. But uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the Memorial Tournament. Uh, one of my favorites, this is uh, Jack Nicholas's course and uh, event and uh, he never seems happy uh, with Muirfield Village at least he's always making changes um, always doing renovations so why don't you give us a, a preview of the course and then uh, I'll follow you up after that so you know Nicholas is um, probably one of the most prolific course designers that played on the PGA Tour like his handprints have been on literally hundreds of courses but this is his course right so when you think about somebody that you know played the game at the highest level possible like they tend to build golf courses based upon what they like in a golf course. So you're going to see um, longer approach shots, long par threes, um, a well-manicured golf course, tough bunkers. Like I would think that there's parts of Jack's golf courses that look like him, but you know, like what he likes in a golf course, but from start to finish, this is his golf course. So this is his baby, right? This is where he built this thing from the ground up and he lives in the area. So um, it's, the greens are like some of the best on tour. I think that um, like the make percentage of putts inside of like 10 feet is one of the highest on tour year in and year out. Just perfect bent grass greens, right? Ohio this time of year, not like Texas where it's already hot. I mean, they're, they're, they can grow bent grass. We struggle with that grass here. So anywhere you start getting up north, um, small greens going to be hard to hit greens this week, typically. So this is a week, and I was thinking about this on the way here. This is a week that we use the term bad putters a lot. And if you watch like junior golfers putt for any length of time, there's not really bad putters on the PJ Tour. There's just guys that don't putt as well as the others, right? So I think this is a week where you'll see somebody who, who doesn't necessarily stand out as an awesome putter have a chance to play well. I think we see that historically at this event. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the data golf, you know, course fit tool definitely agrees with you on that. Um, it pretty much favors approach around the green and uh, accuracy off the tee and then putting. Um, definitely not as big of a weight as your average PGA Tour event. Uh, the trees are, or the fairways here are tree lined. Um, the fairways are pretty generous in terms of their width, but you do not want to miss these. Um, you know, water's in play on, I believe, seven um, tee, tee shots and then. Uh, the biggest penalty of any course on the PGA Tour when it comes to missing the fairway. So the rough, the rough here is going to be thick. Uh, you mentioned the small greens. They're going to be tough to hold, you know, even from the fairway. So um, especially from the rough. And so, yeah, I'm looking at good total drivers of the ball. Um, you mentioned good long iron players. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, all the is, par threes are really long. All the par threes are long. Um, in total, I mean, 7,500 yards. So this course gets longer every time we see it. Uh, you mentioned the greens. They are bent grass. Uh, I think it was 2020 when they were playing the event and tearing up the old greens at the same time. Uh, that was kind right of after interesting. while they were playing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right after like the final group was finishing holes, they just. Uh, I think they. I think Jack did it uh, just for for a little drama for the for the TV. But uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty fun course. I'm gonna have to hit the ball well, and uh, you're gonna have to make putts to win. But I do agree that I do think bad putters can perform well here. Uh, shout out to Mr. Gerg in the chat. Also, Jay Still, um, two of the regulars here. Uh, Mr. Gerg already talking about uh, Jaeger. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to him, but uh, no Jaeger talk just yet. So let's start at the very top of the board. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about the course or course fit? I think that the bunker play is something. If you're building out a model, right, you can pay attention to that. Bunker up and downs are harder at this golf course, so. Um, probably maybe that's not a stat you would wait on a normal week, but maybe give that a little bit for those that do build models that the bunkers are not the easiest to get up and down and around around this complex. So I would definitely wait. Yeah, I like that. Way. Sorry, I like that for sure. Lost you there for a second. Um, and then also patience. I mean, I don't know how this you can measure this in stats, but um, there's a lot of holes where you got to be patient. You got to take your medicine. You got to, you know, play away from the flag at times. Uh, that short par four comes to mind where, I mean, even if you hit in the fairway, you got to really hit a good approach shot and then you'll see some guys go for it and end up making double, um, try to try to get there off the tee. So, um, yeah, just one of those classical designs where, you know, kind of the old school plotter type mentality um, pays off more often than not. Now, let's get into the 10K range on DraftKings. There are five golfers above that mark this week. Who are your favorites, and uh, is there anybody that you are fading in this range? I, I, I don't, I don't feel like fading any of them. Like I haven't narrowed my pool down enough. I like them all. Like usually, I could say, "Oh well, you know, you can make a case." I guess Rory would be the one. Um, I'm just not sure where he's at as far as his overall game. Right? Like, is he burnt out? Um, you know, he hasn't played the type of golf that we're used to seeing out of Rory. So if you're going to fade one. That might be the one you fade, but like this is John Rahm's course. You know, when you go back and look at his tournament history, if you're if you're not if, if your memory's been kind of blurred, he won this event and had to withdraw because of COVID, right? So his stats are going to look a little bit skewed. So Patrick Cantley has a win, two wins here, um, and one of yeah. those yeah, should have been them. a second place finish, right? So do you remember that? Like how he got sick. Yeah, I just remember the, the broadcast shows him coming off 18 at the end of the third round, and he just starts, like, crying, and everybody's like, oh, no, did something happen to someone in his family? Or nobody knew what happened uh, for, like, 20 minutes. But, uh, yeah, had COVID, had to withdraw. I think he was up by, like, six or seven strokes 
Um, so yeah, Cantley's win would have definitely been Rom, and Rom won it the year before that too. Right. So I just think that, and he's playing great golf. I mean, still, Scotty Scheffler is like, you got to think right soon. There's the win or two, maybe three. And, 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 you know, he's statistically putting bad. He's hitting good putts. But, I mean, the guy's tee to green game is just awesome, right? So, you know, I would not be surprised to see him. I mean, if you're building a pretty safe top-end play, that's the guy I would go with him or wrong, right? Tournament builds might be more of uh, Cantley or X. But, um, yeah, Rory for me. How about you? Yeah, I think Rory would probably be my fade as well. Um, he did play well at the PJ Championship. He gained uh, almost 10 strokes ball striking, but um, you do want to keep in the fairway here. He's by far the least accurate driver of the ball um, of anyone above 9K. So that worries me a little bit. He hasn't been all that good at this event. I mean, he's got some good finishes, but nothing like, uh, you know, Rom and Cantlay. And yeah, so Scheffler is just so good. I mean, he's almost a half stroke better tee to green than anyone else on the PJ Tour per round. Uh, which is just incredible. Uh, he's finished T12 or better in 15 straight starts. So you get the high floor, you get the high ceiling. If he puts even just even with the field, he's probably going to win uh, at this stage. So I do like Scheffler. I do like Rom. Um, Cantlay's been super consistent, especially this golf course. He's one of those guys that doesn't have a weakness. I was looking at uh, Bentgrass splits, and he's number one in the field, both uh, strokes game putting on Bentgrass and strokes game total on Bentgrass. So you have that working for you. And then we didn't mention Xander, but he's like in the same bucket as Cantlay in that he does everything well, super consistent. Don't know if he's going to win, but uh, he'll probably be in the top 20 like he always is. Any take on uh, Xander, Cantlay? So I like, you know, when you're looking at building rosters this week, right? Like if you're going to build those types of rosters and you want exposure to, let's say, the four guys minus Rory, then you look at what pieces go with him. I think that I want to be probably – over on Scheffler and over on Xander, right? Maybe even or under on the other other guys in the field. Like, I just feel like that when people are starting to build rosters, right, they're going to go probably heavy on Scotty. So I don't mind going over the field on Scotty. I think that you can build enough. There's enough play down at the bottom where you can build some rosters that you like. And I, I think that people are going to undervalue Xander's shot actually winning. I think he's going to get this rap. Well, he can't win. He hasn't won. The guy is just putting himself in that position over and over and over, right? So uh, yeah. my tournament strategy this week will be probably heavier on those two and about even with the field on the others. Yeah, I like that. If this was a, a no-cut event, you know Xander would win it uh, a couple <laughs> times by now. He, he wins the weirdest uh, formats of events. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, let's dip into the 9Ks. Uh, Mr. Gerg in the chat, you know, why is Morikawa 9,900? He's overrated. Um, my model tends to agree. Um, he's still one of the best iron players in the world. Very accurate driver of the ball. I do like the course fit for him, but the short game is a big question mark. Um, and if you are looking at course history, he did win the workday event here in 2020. Um, the course was set up a little bit easier that week. Um, and then he didn't play great the following uh, week when they played the Memorial tournament here, but he also has a second place finish, uh, in 2021. So I'm okay with Morikawa. Um, you know, he didn't play great last week, but if you look at his stats, uh, he actually tweeted about it himself <laughs> on number nine, he played it, uh, seven over for the week. Um, just one hole. Um, and so he's, he just, <coughs> out. you can guess, which is my favorite, uh, my least favorite hole on the course. And, uh, it was number nine, but, uh, who are your, some of your favorites in the nine K's and, uh, are you buying more cow at this high price? 
I am not buying Colin Morikawa if he is the guy that I have to shut my laptop on Thursday, then I'm okay with it. Um, I, I mean, I like the guy. I just feel like that the prices have been inflated. Like, I would rather get me personally, although he hasn't had outside of playing well at the work day. I, I, I like Victor Hovland a lot this week. Uh, Hovland and, and uh, Thomas and Hatton are the guys in the 9K that I really like. Hovland is just – it's just simply – I think it's just too good. Um he hasn't – he's gotten this bad rap in the DFS world for a less than stellar short game, but he's working on it, right? If you follow – I don't know if you're a big social media guy, but if you follow his coach, which is a great follow on Instagram, Joseph Mayo, um, Trackman Maestro, um, the guy's eventually going to break through and he's going to win a lot. I think he's um, very, very talented and he's, I don't know, currently like less than 10% projected ownership or somewhere around there. So I really like Hovland early in the week. All right. Um, that's one that I always have a tough time on. Uh, you mentioned the around the green play. It's definitely gotten a little bit better, but it only seems to get better at the majors. And then he goes to the, you know all these other events and he seems to struggle. Uh, he hasn't been great here in the past, but uh, you mentioned the form. I don't mind it. The rest of the 9Ks, I don't love. I mean, Jason Day lives in Ohio. He has for a long time, but he doesn't play well in Ohio for whatever reason. Um, and then he didn't even get the practice round in at the PGA Championship. He just decided to go in cold and miss the cut. And he was coming off of a win, so who knows where his game's at at the moment. Um, Terrell Hatton, you mentioned, he's solid all around. He's probably my favorite guy in the 9Ks. Then you have uh, JT, Sungjae, and Fitz, who all have pretty up-and-down course histories here in the past. Do you have a favorite between those lower 9K guys? I'm just not a Sungjae guy. I think that, I don't know, I feel like you're always overpaying for 15th place certainty, right? Um, I really, I mean, JT, I'm kind of become a JT fan over the last few years. He played well here, like Hovland. They both played well at the work day. Now, granted, it was an easier golf course. Um, but, you know, at that price range, like if you're going to take, you know, talk a little about roster construction. Well, if you're going to take one of the top guys, I, I like Hatton, Thomas. They're a little bit cheaper than, like, if you're trying to s- slam in, you know, let's say, like, you know, Rom and X and try to just go, you know, bottom feeding. So I, I don't mind some exposure to those guys. I think that I mean, Thomas is one of the guys, one of the few guys on tour that you can, you would look back at the end of the week and go, yeah, I'm not surprised that he won there, right? He's talented enough to win any week. Yeah, man, JT, I keep I keep chasing it, and uh, I feel like I'm just that rabbit with the carrot in front of him that just keeps running. Uh, I'm never going to get it, but, uh, yeah, yeah, he sets up really well. Very good tee to green. Uh, we mentioned bad putters can play well here, so don't mind that one. Um, Jay's still in the chat asking balance build this week. Uh, for me, it's going to be more of a stars and scrubs build. Um, I like the 10K plus a lot. And then there's only 120 golfers in the field. And so the top 65 and ties are going to make it. That means, you know, a higher percentage of the field is going to be making the cut. So I like my chances with the cheaper guys a little bit more than usual. Uh, what are your thoughts on your preferred uh, type of build? I think that's always the toughest question to, to, to answer each week, right? So these elevated fields we have a lot of strong plays. Um, You look at win equity. I think with the balance build, you have to make sure that you have exposure to two guys in that balance build that have a strong win equity, right? So just picking six guys that are going to get you, you know, potential top 15s. Well, that sounds good in theory. You know, there's going to be somebody from that top realm that plays well enough to win. So I think you have to have exposure to those or, 
and you're, you're like a Hovland or a JT, you've got to have exposure to a guy that you think can, can win or two players, right? Um, because there will be enough players down at the bottom that play in relation to, you know, points per salary that play well enough to equal a, you know, Fitzpatrick or some JM or, you know, somebody will play well. Somebody will find that combo in a GPP. Yeah, I love that point on uh, having some win equity in each of your lineups, even in the balance builds. And you can build a lineup that looks as safe as possible on paper. You think everybody's going to finish in the top 20, and one of those guys is going to miss a cut. That's just how golf works each week. Um, you know, take Sungjae last week, take Speed last week, whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, so I like that. Um, yeah, so if you're building balance builds, just make sure to take some guys with some upside. Anyone else in the 9Ks? Uh, you didn't talk about Hatton much, but uh, I think he's a pretty good course fit. What about you? Yep, I have Hatton on a – I do one fantasy golf team a year, season long, and he's my number two player. So, yeah, I'll have exposure to him every week. I just think that he's a guy that's committed to playing more on tour this year than in previous years. Um, has won the Arnold Palmer, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, not the easiest golf course in the world. I mean, he – Another guy that's super talented, right? Um, patience kind of scares me a little bit with him. I mean, he can get a little bit hot, but um, also a really, really, really good driver of the golf ball, typically. Great iron player. And he hasn't putted great this year, right, at times. So you know, we talked to him earlier about how you don't have to have your – putting doesn't have to be a strength to play well and win here. I mean, look at some of the previous winners. Kyle Stanley. Right. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a, there's one for a team. No putt. How about Benny on in a playoff losing Benny on? Yeah. Right. So guys that don't excel with their putters um, can find themselves winning here. All right. Let's uh, dip below nine K um, Jordan speed, four straight top twenties here coming off of a miscut at uh, you know, one of his favorite events. Again, I'm going to say, I don't think the wrist injury is bothering him that much. I know he came out and said he was questionable um, on Wednesday last week, but ended up playing. And I don't think he'd be playing this week if it was still bothering him. Maybe maybe it's just a case where, you know, he can't make it worse. I don't really know. I'm not a doctor. I didn't look at the injury all that much. But uh, it would surprise me if he's you know really hurting and still playing every week. I don't think that would be very smart long-term for his career. Um, and he's got to be low-owned. So any interest in Jordan Spieth with some uh, pretty good course history? Early in the week, no, but that's not to say that won't change as start to build rosters. Um, I, I think that he's, I think he's a little bit more hurt than what we're hearing, and and uh, had this not been Jack Nicklaus's tournament, right? I think he might not play because I think he's going to take next week off. Okay. So um, just one of those things. He's not a hundred percent. So if Jordan's not a hundred percent, what does that mean? Like anytime you start dealing with wrist injuries, right? Ask Trevor Immelman what that's like. I mean, that ruined his career. So, you know, different injuries. Graham Dillette too, right? Yeah, 100%. So uh, Kevin Stadler, Stadler, excuse me, another guy. But like, so I don't know. Like, I don't know that you have to go there this week, right? Like, it's it's always a great play to get Jordan at low ownership. But I guess I just have to let the week kind of unfold to see if, if you have to go there to get that kind of uh, leverage. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, maybe I maybe I deserve or he deserves a little bit more credit. Um, I always just think you know when golfers don't play well, they just blame it on an injury. But uh, it might be more serious than I'm uh, I'm leading on. And uh, the general rule of thumb is just if a golfer says he's dealing with something, probably just stay away. You're probably better off to not be chasing guys that are injured. So. Um, I might have to rethink my speed exposure this week. It is still Monday. Um, I do think he'll be low owned, but uh, we'll see. So, so who are some of your other favorite targets uh, in the AK range? So, I really like Hideki, um, Ricky, quite a bit, um, and Corey Connors. Those are the guys that kind of stand out to me in that mid AK range. Um, a few, I like a few other guys as we get closer to 8K and below that, but I think all those guys stand out as good course fit. Um, playing well, um, and they fit well in the types of rosters that I, I'm looking to build early in the week. Yeah, I love it. Ricky's one that uh, I have circled. You know, he has three top 15s here in the last five years, and that's when he's been playing some really bad golf. Then you look at his recent form, he's been a top 15 machine all season. The only cut he missed was at the PJ Championship, and it was right on the number. He bogeyed his final hole, and then um, the wave in the afternoon was a lot easier than it was expected. He was originally expected to make the cut, so... I am on board with Ricky Fowler, Corey Connors on a ball strikers course. Pretty easy to uh, to talk me into that one. And then you mentioned Hideki. Yeah, he's been playing some really good golf. Um, he's gained 15 strokes on approach in his last four starts. So the irons are coming back. Uh, we know the tee to green game is always good with Hideki. And he won here back in 2014. So uh, he does have uh, that under his belt. So those are probably going to be my favorite three as well. In terms of phase in this range, I don't think it's the best course fit for Cam Young. Um, typically, Nicholas designs aren't ones that you can overpower off the tee. Um, he does play well on a lot of these um, tougher courses, but I'm okay being underweight there. Um, Tigala, I never think he's a good fit for courses that you know require accuracy off the tee, and then he always ends up playing well at them. So I don't know what to do with Tigala. Do you have a stronger take uh, than me on him? I, I'm right there with you. I just think that like I look at him and Wyndham Clark, and I'm like, I'm just going to let other people make that choice this week. Again, I don't think that's going to make or break, right? Do you see either those guys, those guys winning? What would it take? A top five if you don't have him? Because there's going to be plenty of other good plays that hopefully get there, right? So those guys could be potential landmines. Like I was off of Wyndham Clark 
two weeks ago, and I was very happy about that. Yeah, uh, yeah Tigala, I mean, he's very talented. I just, again, the accuracy off the tee scares me. You know, one of, one of the things that, that you want to look at, and this might help people when you're trying to make a decision on players for the week, look at, and I don't play these because I live in Texas, but go look at posted matchup lines. And sometimes you might find similar, like, tournament matchups, uh, you know, competition matchups, and see where the, the books are shading it, right? They'll kind of let you know who they're leaning at as the favorite. And sometimes that'll help you make your decision when you're looking at though. They're usually uh, pretty accurate in that when they're developing those lines. Yeah. Sage advice. Uh, I definitely check those out each week and uh, there, there's some surprising ones um, that you'll find each week, um, especially when it comes to like, comparing salaries uh, between guys, you might think that they're close and then one guy might be, you know, favor over the other, which uh, head to head matchups kind of uh, a way to gauge floor, the floor of a player rather than ceiling. But, uh, yeah, I like that quite a bit. Um, anyone else? And uh, you mentioned Wyndham Clark. Yeah, I kind of like chasing guys when they're on the uphill climb. And then once they get there, once they get that first win, I'm kind of off of them for a while. So um, I'll be off of Wyndham Clark, even though he treated us well uh, a few weeks ago. Shane Lowry, I think, could play well. He's been great tee to green. Another guy that uh, really struggling with the plastic, but uh, could set up well for him. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I always think of, what is Shane's biggest struggle? Like he, he usually loses strokes putting, right? So this week, this course could fit, you know, another, a course that not exactly a crossover course, as far as like correlations, they haven't played there in a long time, but you know, you look at tiger plays well everywhere. So it's hard to just use the tiger effect, but Firewheel, I mean, not Firewheel, excuse me, Firestone, Firewheel's here in Dallas, Firestone, you know, Shane Lowry won there. That's another course that used to correlate well, right? Uh, same area. Um, yeah. And he, you know, good ball striker. Um, you don't have to be just lights out with a flat stick to win here. So, yeah, I like that call. And at that price, like, who has more win equity at this point in their career, Cameron Young or Shane Lowry? I mean, it feels like Cam Young, even though he's never won. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely Shane Lowry. But uh, it feels like Cam Young. But uh, I do think it's Lowry for sure. Then before we get into the sevens, two guys right at 8K that I do have interest in. Siwoo Kim. He, uh, the ball striking's back the last four events, and he's never missed a cut here. Um, he's one of those guys that plays well at the same courses each year. For whatever reason, he just likes certain courses. And then Adam Scott playing some great golf. The irons are finally back. For the longest time, he was just relying on a putter and around the green. And the irons are back. So uh, do you have interest in those two? Love them. I think the hardest part is, like, if you're building lineups this week, right, try to be mindful of not having too many lineups if you're max entering with both of those guys in the same lineup, that's going to be pretty popular, right? So I like exposure, but, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't have that combo, but I would be mindful of that. I mean, Siwoo Kim's gained, what, almost 30 shots tee to green in the last five starts of this course. Yeah. And then, you know, Adam Scott's like right around 20. Um, just I feel like those guys are underpriced for a recent play and course history here. Like, like to me, they should be a lot higher. So I love both of those guys. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you're playing single entry stuff, maybe don't start with uh, Scheffler, Adam Scott, Siwoo Kim. Might be a might be a popular starting point for lineups. All right, seven Ks. Um, we're getting uh, we're getting some added uh, added uh, analysis with the field this week. We're already at thirty minutes, but uh, just getting into the seven Ks. Who are some of your favorite plays? Uh, seventy five hundred to seventy nine hundred. Not a big fan of this range. I mean, I always want exposure to Tom Kim. I, I don't know. I, I think I bought in early on the narrative. I really like the guy. I think he's talented. 
So, um, you know, I, I always want exposure to him. There's not really anybody in that range that that stands out. I typically fade defending champions. And, uh, you know, maybe that's just like a one-time deal for Billy, which is funny. I walked with him in last year at the Colonial on the Wednesday Pro-Am, and he, I mean, his game was a complete mess. And he was, like, working on 20 different things and go off the woods the next week. So you just never know with these guys, right? Yeah. Nothing that really stands out. I think that for me – I'm going to go like fade that range and just start maybe start dumpster diving. So, yeah, um, it is a pretty weak range. I do like Tom Kim uh, accuracy. One of the most accurate drivers, of the ball really good with his irons, but uh, hasn't played here before. So we'll see if that ends up uh, being a good thing or a bad thing. Russell Henley has been playing pretty well. He's more of an accuracy guy as well. Don't mind looking at him. And then Keegan always rates out well in my model. He's been so up and down this season. It's, not the best course history, but uh, I'll probably have some of him as well. And then let's dip down into the lower sevens. Anyone standing out there? Yeah, Benny, I can't putt on, right? <laughs> but he played well last week, you know, and, and on a course. I mean, he's a guy at that price right now. You're not going to hit the lock button on him, but, like, you want some exposure. I mean, he gives you a lot of salary relief. I li- I was on Harris English last week. I think that he's a talented golfer. I wouldn't mind going back there, playing well. And the same thing, like I look in this range and, and these are like, for me, these are plays that are uh, not like high percentage guys, but I think there's enough upside that I want some exposure to provide salary. If like I, I like English on Kirk and um, Kitayama. Um, I think that Kitayama is a, a great, great player, very talented. Um, and when he is playing really well, like to me, he's pretty fearless. Like he just kind of goes low and, and uh, I just, I think there's more than enough upside at that price to, to put those types of plays in your roster builds. What type of course favors Kitayama? He's one of those guys that's tough for me to figure out. I think any golf course. I think he's just like a, he's just a good golfer, right? Like um, I happen to know his putting coach. Um, we kind of train him to the same mentor and the guy's just a, just a golf nut, right? And he just, he, he's, he's one of these guys that like, if you're in the golf industry and we always hear people say this, like he's just not afraid to go low. And there's some guys like that. Like he's the kind of guy when he gets hot and we've seen it, right? Like he's always a good first round leader bet, right? Cause he can just get it going. So he plays pretty fearless. He's maybe like a watered down version of a Siwoo Kim, right? Okay. Siwoo's the same thing. So pretty aggressive, you know, and just kind of like a streaky is the wrong word. Cause he's obviously been, you know, played his, played his way to some, some big events and a win this year. So I, I just think that he's he's one of these guys that we haven't quite caught up to yet in the DFS where I think he's, you know, every bit as talented or, uh, you know, than like a Cam Davis or some of these other guys that are priced higher, right? Just my personal opinion. What was his uh, Kitayama's nickname in college? Like work in progress or something like that? Something yeah. Like that. The project or I can't remember what it was, but uh yeah, just a guy that's always grinding. You love that. Um, I like the Benny on call, 7,300. He's had some really good finishes here. And at one point throughout the four days, he's going to be in the top five. That's just what he does every single week. He'll probably drop down to you know top 25, but that's pretty good at this price point. I like Kirk, like you mentioned. The only other one I wanted to bring up was uh, Christian Bezudenhout. He's gained 20 strokes on approach in his last five starts. So we've seen him on the tour the last few years. He's usually been a guy that uh, excels on shorter courses that relies on the putter relies on, you know, around the green, but uh, the irons have been very good recently. I like him quite a bit two for two here in his career. 
that'll pretty much do it for me. Uh, Patrick Rogers seems like uh, he likes his place. Um, so I don't mind looking at him at 7,100. Is there anyone else before we get to the pure punts? I don't mind a little Ryan Fox. I think there's – obviously he's not the greatest driver of the golf, but he hits it a long way and super strong. He's played well at times. Like, you know, if, you, if you're building these rosters and, and it's something I like to do at the start of the week, let's say you get a wild hair and you want to walk in a guy like Scotty Scheffler. Well, you start adding some of these types of plays and you don't need a lot of them and just see what it gets you and see what kind of rosters you can build. Because there's a, is there much difference between a Fox and a Rogers and a – uh, Christian or Taylor Moore or Kitty Yama or Kirk, right? They all have that same kind of upside, but it just allows you because all these guys are going to be so low owned. You don't need a lot of them, right? And it's not, it's not that you're trying to get like spread yourself thin. You're trying to build unique higher end rosters that have uh, when these guys play well, they have enough upside and it allows you to be different. So I don't know if a lot of people do this, but if you're building a lot of lineups every week, go in and look and, See how many lineups that you have duped. And a lot of times you do because you have exposure to too many popular combos. So you don't have to go heavy on these guys, but they do provide, like, I want a guy that, like, Ryan Fox wouldn't surprise me if he won on the PGA Tour at some point in time, right? Enough talent there. So I I don't mind guys like that. Yeah, another good point um, that you just made. Most people, when they build lineups, uh, once lock hits, they're done looking at lineups, they're done analyzing I mean, if you want to get better at DFS, um, you should be looking at your dupes after lineups lock. You should be looking at what the best players in the world do, uh, what they do with their 150 builds, what they do in single entry. Um, there's a lot to learn. So if you are trying to get better, highly recommend looking at that kind of stuff after lock. And uh, Jay still, so he says it's the project uh, for Kitayama's nickname. And then now it's Quadzilla. I forgot about that one. I think that was... Uh, that was at the API uh, this year. So that's pretty funny. Uh, okay, let's talk about pure punts. Um, only a couple guys that rate out well in the model. Uh, and one's kind of surprising. Brendan Todd, I don't think he can compete at a course that's 7,500 yards. But um, he hits a ton of fairways. So I like that. The short game's been good. The irons have been better recently. He's gained in 5 and 7. And for whatever reason, he's got three top 25s here in five starts. So he's somebody I'm looking at at 6,700. Uh, Andrew Putnam at 6,400, very similar type of player to um, Brendan Todd. That's more of an accuracy type, good short game. And then Alex Smalley, good ball striker that can't putt. So um, that kind of fits the mold that we've been talking about um, all night. Um, Who are some of your favorites? Kind of like sort of I'm always a sucker for good course history, right? Kevin Stroman, you know, another guy that's played well here. What's he's – Two top 15 or better finishes gained almost 18 shots tee to green in his last five starts. I don't, I don't really hate that play. Uh, I do like Alex Smalley as well. Um, you know, he's a guy that's uh, another guy that I think has some win equity potentially. Like he could be one of those guys that breaks you. I don't think it's at a big event. Um, if you're going super far down, uh, Akshay. I always pronounce his name wrong, right? No, that's right. Yeah, um, he is like the guy is super talented, right? If you so, I followed him. I, I kind of learned about his journey because he used to work with George Gankus, Matthew Wolf's coach, and now he doesn't. But I mean, he skipped like the whole collegiate rank, right? He just went straight out and started playing professional golf. So um, and, and played well on on some really hard golf courses. So again, you don't need a ton of exposure to these types of guys, but like. You know, if you're going to build super top-end 
uh, rosters, like you can get some exposure to these guys. I, I just would say when you pick these guys, you need to think, can this guy finish inside the top 10? Like, does he have that kind of upside? Uh, like a Kevin Stroman, he's shown that he has. Do I think he can this week? I'm a little less sure about him than I am, you know, some guys that are coming in with good form. We see a lot of these these younger players starting to play a lot more, like an Austin Eckhart, you know, those guys, Brendan Wu. You know, they haven't played uh, – Austin hasn't played here. All Brendan's played here once. But I think that there's – those guys are the kinds of guys you can go back and look at how people played the previous week. Some of these guys are going to pop. Now, should you go try chasing them all? No, but there is merit to um, – if you're building 150 to have, have some exposure. But the guys that you feel like um, have some – top 10 equity, if not win equity. Yep. I like the uh, Akshay Bhatia call. Um, I was just scrolling through the field. And one other guy that uh, kind of popped out, Thriston Lawrence. We don't see him a lot on the PGA Tour, but he's a guy that contends a bunch uh, over in Europe. So I'm, I'm not probably not going to play him, but uh, I am interested to see how he does. He's at the min salary, so you might be able to include him in a couple lineups. Uh, anyone else? You know, Shane sure. coming off the, the runner-up. Man, this guy... He needs to break through, but uh, sorry, who were you going to say? I was going to say not the interesting, but I see the return of Brent Snedeker, right? He must have been injured. Oh, no way. Yeah, 6,200. So, um, you know, um, you could – Lucas Glover's made five cuts here, 6,200. Again, that would be like a huge salary relief play. I mean, there's a lot. This is a strong field, I mean, and there's some strong value plays as well. So I just think as you're building these rosters, think about – um, what does this type of player say about my roster if I'm adding them at the bottom and what do I expect to get out of them? So um, I like the calls on some of the, the low-end guys that we've talked about. All right. And then Mr. Gerg's going to be locking in Jaeger um, at 7K flat. Um, that's for sure. He's, uh, for whatever reason, he's become our chat favorite um, golfer each week. But all right. So there's not going to be a uh, snake draft this week. Apologies. Um you know, Jacob did win the last time he played at the PGA Championship. Um, I ended up cashing last week for the first time in like three months. So uh, we are not free money anymore um, on the show. But we'll bring the snake draft back either next week or at the U.S. Open, which is going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to break down uh, L.A. Country Club. Um, should be, uh, yeah, should be a lot of fun, a lot of good golf. Looking forward to. Uh, Jacob, thanks for joining me. Any final thoughts before we uh, depart? You know, I don't know how we miss this in our course preview, but you know what I think of about Muirfield more than anything else? Milkshakes. Milkshakes. Yeah, I want one of those so bad. That's the uh, the fodder for the week. That's going to be talked about uh, by everyone there, and then we're all going to have to see pictures of them uh, and just wonder what they taste like. So, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to get some ice cream from the store and make my own. Um, but, yeah, okay. Uh, thanks for joining me, um, everyone. Thanks for watching. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. So for Jacob, for myself, Derek, I'm out of here. We're out of here. We'll see you next week.